amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. Doing real good. We've got Wrapping up another week, huh? Oh, yeah. And we're going to end it in style, because we are talking about something fascinating here. Well... Every now and then we we do, I mean, we do a lot of theme shows. We do a lot of shows where all the stories we put together follow a, a common theme. But once in a while, we do kind of a high concept show. And I guess that's what I would what I would call this tonight. We, we used to have a feature called Tales of the Paranormal. And this isn't that, but it's a little higher concept than the old uh, astounding science facts. Would you agree? It's, a, it's somewhere in between yeah, the two. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... It, you know, I, I love it when a science, uh, you know, actual science produces something that's such a such an awesome mystery that it feels a little bit like Tales of the Paranormal. Right. And that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because our, our first one, our first story, and this is so interesting, the greatest cosmic puzzle, astronomers find stars that appear older than the universe. So... What the heck? We've got a universe that's 13.8 billion years old, and we've found some stars that appear to be about 14.5 billion years old. What's going on, Stephen? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got the answer right here. Phil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you, uh, it, it's uh, interesting uh, the way um, the way the universe works is that any direction that you look you are looking back in time. And if you look far enough in any direction, you, you start seeing, uh, you know, uh, you, you will begin to see the, in, the beginnings of the first stars. And then before that, I mean, before that, you don't see much, right? Um, right. And, you see, you know, yeah, you see the edge of the universe. When you, when, you, when you look that far, you're seeing the very early universe. That's right. Yeah, you're seeing the stars that and, just first came into being. And which is hard to understand because no matter which direction you look in the sky, right? I mean, you can look, you know, to the northern sky, to the you know, to our, our southern sky, whatever. You're always looking back in time. When you look far enough back, you're looking at, you know, um, uh, ultimately you would be looking at uh, the, the beginnings of the universe where everything is in one place. 
and um, and and it doesn't matter which direction you're looking at, you get to see the same view. And uh, so it's sort of like we're looking down a funnel, regardless of which direction you look at. Um, right. That funnel is controlled by time itself. So it's it's sort it's so yeah that's that's um, and so how is it that, you know if you're looking down that funnel in a way that you could possibly see anything older than than the universe itself? Well, you just should you shouldn't be able to. So I I guess the 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 best theory I've got the best I guess I have is that we're just wrong. And we're, we're wrong. We're wrong one way or the other, right? Yeah. Either yeah. either we the, think either the, the universe, universe is younger than, than it is, yeah, or we think those stars are older than they are, right? <laughs> it's, it's, right. It, it seems like that is the only possible explanation somewhere between those that those stars must be a bit younger than we think. The universe might be a bit older than we think. But if you adjust those numbers a little, everything works out. Now, here's the question: Is there any other possible? explanation well um you know when i when i was when i first read it i thought well you know what if there were you know uh the the big bang uh, you know that singularity wasn't all there was at the time that that went off but again we're looking down a funnel and so you know if, if we we can't see anything but that singularity um, uh, when we look back in time, it, it, regardless Unless, of the direction we look. You know. What if, during the Big Bang, what if during that early period of cosmic inflation, as has been suggested by people who know what they're talking about, not just, not just me, um, it, it, it's, it's possible that if there was any overlap between our universe and other universes, it would have been right during that early cosmic inflation period, right? Where we may have just bumped into another universe that was also inflating at the same time. So maybe... Maybe, as as our universe was expanding out, it glanced off another universe somehow, and 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 I'm using gross Newtonian physics type descriptions to talk about things that would have been happening in multiple dimensions and really hard to imagine. But maybe our universe bumped into another universe and dragged a little of it over, right? I mean, that's that that is the only other thing I can think of that might account for it, right? And these stars that had already been around for a while fell into our universe accidentally, right? So that, that oh. in, in fact, maybe these stars are evidence that there are other universes. I like it. I like that. What if uh, bumping into a universe like that is what, uh, um, you know, ultimately decided which was going to dominate matter or antimatter in this universe? Hmm. You know, Obviously, these were, this was a matter universe we bumped into so that, that yeah, out. so the, we we kind of it, it uh, uh, the balance uh, uh, then then favored uh, matter in our universe rather than antimatter, right? Exactly. Right. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out here. I'm spitballing here. It's just uh, you know that's interesting it, stuff there, Phil. It's 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 crazy, unwarranted, almost reckless and irresponsible speculation. But on the other hand. What's the harm, right? <laughs> we're just a couple of guys on a podcast. So. Then we're just a couple of guys on a podcast. Well, besides, I mean, the, yeah. the star is 14.5 billion years ago. It's not going uh, years old. It's not going anywhere, right? It's, it's fine. <laughs> the universe is 13.8 billion years old. Asking these questions isn't going to hurt anything, right? We can, That's right. We, can, we can throw these questions out here. But I think un- unless it's something really exotic like that, then the more mundane answers have to, you have to come back around to them. And either we've miscalculated the age of the universe or we've miscalculated the age of the star. And if that's true, then 
how much do we really know about how old any star is, right? <laughs> if we look at a star and we say, well, 14.5 billion, and that answer can't possibly be correct, are we getting them all wrong, right? Is it, is it possible that we've got a lot to learn about how old stars are? are or is it possible that we've got to learn a lot, a lot to learn about just how old the universe is, that it's actually significantly well, older? Than I, you know, regardless of what the answer turns out to be, we've got a lot to learn. Mm. <laughs> is, you know, there you go. Um, so... Let's, that is uh, safe to say. Get to learning. Uh, I think that's a good, uh, good moral of this story. I like it. Let's get to learning yep. and see if we can figure out, see if we can solve that mystery and find some new mysteries to solve. Now, speaking of new mysteries to solve, this one is about as far removed from the first one as you can be. We're going from the cosmological to the biological. But this is a great story. Tasmanian Tiger Trio releases footage they claim is sighting of a thylacine. Now, if you're familiar with the zoology of Australia at all, you know that they have all these marsupial species. Australia is kind of a its own little evolutionary, what would you call it, backwater test tube? I don't know. Or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it, it did its own thing. It's you know, so you got yeah, all it that got, awesome it got cut stuff. off, and uh, so the rest of the world was done with marsupials, but not Australia. Australia, it, uh, it went its own way. It went nuts with marsupials. So you got the kangaroos yeah. and the wallabies, the Tasmanian devil, and it's one of my you know, favorite animals. All one of the things I've most been interested in my whole life, the Tasmanian tiger, right? Which, of course, was yeah. not a tiger. It wasn't a cat. It was a marsupial. But a fierce, yeah. fierce predator, striped like a tiger, that lived on the island of Tasmania and went extinct, theoretically or officially, about 100 years ago, right? Right. Right. You know, fascinating about Australia is that all these niches, niches that uh, occur elsewhere in the world, like uh, a wolf, you know, you, you, get, you get things that are similar in marsupial form. You know, you get That's, a uh, Tasmanian tiger in, Tas in, in, the, uh, in Tasmania. So it's uh, just a fascinating, uh, fascinating continent anyway. But, hey, if, uh, you know, if, if uh, we still have a few, Somewhere, you know, in in the outback, there are you know some some uh, remote region. Uh, wouldn't that be awesome, Phil? They could, uh, um, you know, they could protect them and uh, and uh, maybe encourage them and make make a comeback for these creatures. So wouldn't that be great? It would be awesome. I hope it's true. That the thing yeah. is, for years there have been rumors that there might still be a few left, and in fact, there is some talk that there might be some on the Australian mainland. That some you know, although they were never native to there, that some made it over at some point in the 19th century and are kind of hiding out there. But it's also possible that there's some still on the island of Tasmania. The thing is, no one has officially seen one or caught one. I think the last one died in the 1930s, something like that. So it's been a long, long time since there's been an official sighting of a Tasmanian tiger. But these guys say, what was it, last November... They, they put a bunch of automatic cameras out all over the deep woods, and they caught an image that, if you look at it, I don't know, I think it looks like a Tasmanian tiger. The, the question is, is it? And is that enough evidence to go on, or you know, what, what happens next, I guess? You know, this reminds me very much of, uh, of a story we talked about a few years back, Phil, uh, maybe about three or four years ago. It may have been longer. It seems like time flies sometimes with these, with these things. But uh, we, we talked about the uh, um, sightings of uh, the ivory-billed woodpecker. 
in uh, remote parts of uh, of Arkansas. And, oh, okay. Uh, I don't remember talking about this. Interesting. Oh yeah, we did. But it's 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 probably been four or five years, maybe longer, maybe longer. And uh, and you know, obviously, the hope is that um, that there's a small population somewhere, and uh, in, in in a there's a very remote region around the White River in uh, in Arkansas. And I can tell you that. Um, uh, back as a much younger man, I, I did a lot of canoeing in Arkansas, and the mm-hmm. the most remote places that I've ever been um, uh, was on a canoe uh, canoe trip in, um, down the uh, the current um, well, it's actually Jack's Fork of the current river, mm-hmm. which flows into the White River, and that area of the world feel is like I mean you're stepping back in time 500 years. It's right. just so remote. You don't see people at all when you're out there. It's just, and uh, 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 you know you, you you drive you drive to the end of the blacktop and then you drive to the end of the gravel road and then you're on a dirt road and then you park your car and you you pack your canoe in down uh, down these uh, you know uh, what amounts to a a game trail uh, right. and then and you get on the river and uh, you don't see anybody for days. It's, it's a remarkable place. And it surprised me that such a place still, you know, such huge, uh, huge tracts of wilderness still exist in, in, uh, in the modern United States, but they do. And, uh, um, and so I, I would not be surprised to learn that something like a uh, ivory bill woodpecker survived in some place as remote as that. And we wouldn't know about it because there's nobody there. Oh, and, uh, I, I, see, I thought you were going to take us to where you saw one, but you, no, you weren't going no, that far. I, I oh. wish I could say that, but I, I did yeah. not. I just, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, uh, the, the guys I was with, we, we kidded about, man, this, have, you, have you even seen anybody else but us in like, you know, two days? No. I mean, right. it, we would not have been surprised to see, you know, Bigfoot walk across there. I mean, <laughs> right. It's, it's so remote. Uh, but it's, uh, no, we didn't have any. Uh, no tales of the paranormal tonight, um, I, and no, I did not see one. But uh, we—it was, it was a fascinating trip, and uh, and when I learned that that's the area of the world that they think they may have some, you know, like a, a small population of those birds left, I, I, I wasn't surprised because you know it's just so huge and and remote that people can't really know what's going on in there, really. So right. Now, in the case of our thylacine, we've got a wildlife expert who says that the animal is most likely a spotted quoll, but concedes there's a 20% chance that it is a Tasmanian tiger. So, you know, I, I don't know how he fi- figured those odds, but I hope I hope <laughs> I hope we get the I hope we get the one in five chance on this, and it turns out that that's a that's a Tasmanian tiger. I really like what the the guys who took the picture said. Their, their major concern is that they that the Tasmanian tigers be left alone, right? It's good news that yeah. they're there, but don't mess with them. Because obviously, if they are there, that means that since the 30s, they've been able to continue to reproduce. They've been able to continue to live. And it would probably, probably would be a good idea just to step back and let the population build back up without a lot of interference from from humans. So... You know, they've done what they've done so far on their own. I would say let's just let them keep doing that. Doesn't that seem to make a lot of sense? It does. It does. And, you know, if if anything would be, if they were able to confirm a small population, my hope is that they would say, okay, uh, you know, the 10,000 acres around, you know, around where we know this population to be is now protected wilderness. And, uh, no, you know, I can't go in there without some kind of, you know, 
a, you know, a permit or some sort of, you know, trusted guide or something that uh, would keep people from messing with them too much. That's, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's what I would hope is that. I think that's that's definitely, definitely the right way to do it. And there's a there's a lot of remote land down there, kind of like in Arkansas, right, down in Tasmania. They <laughs> yeah. should. Oh yeah. They, they should be able to dial that in. I hope hope they make that happen. And here's hoping we get a confirmed sighting of one, but not one captured. I don't want anybody putting one in captivity. Hopefully they they get to stay wild. Okay, so our, our next story, another big mystery. This is different again. First, we started with the cosmic, then we went to the biological. Now we're kind of into the, it's space, but it's also kind of the government conspiratorial. And it's a wonderful video on YouTube, actually kind of a disturbing video on YouTube called What Really Happened to Russia's Lost Cosmonauts? So follow that link and check out that video. Disturbing stuff on this. Yeah. Some of this I've heard and before. Plausible. The, the and plausible. Completely plausible. Though, That's what's disturbing about it. Yeah. 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 Because the, here, here's the Soviet Union who wants a pop, uh, you know, a propaganda victory, right? Right. Right. You know, if if uh, if if you uh, try and fail, you just don't report that. And so they're saying that you know, for example, Yuri Gagarin probably wasn't the first, that there were others, and they've got. There's evidence to show that there were other men in outer space first. They just didn't get make it home alive. Right. Uh, and, uh, uh, according according to this video, Gagarin is the first man who made it to space and returned. Right. That's right. <laughs> that that's actually his his accomplishment, which is obviously pretty sad when you consider we don't even know the name. If you watch the video, you'll learn the name of who that first man might have been. That first man in space. Now, my problem with that particular one is that Gagarin was definitely the guy to send. Him or Titoff would have definitely been the guy to send, right? Because he was the golden boy, and he was the propaganda guy that you wanted to send. And, and so it seems to me that he would have been the first guy that they sent into space, that they wouldn't have sent the other guy first. They would have sent Gagarin first because they would have done it on the expectation that it was going to work. And he he would have been first. But then I thought about it. In the American program, who was the golden boy? It was not it Alan Shepard. It certainly wasn't Gus Grissom. It was Grissom. always John. It, it was, was John, Glenn, John the Glenn, the third yeah. guy we sent up. So yeah. it's possible that we actually built a little of that same kind of reasoning into the lineup of the Mercury astronauts that they that the that the Russians did, right? Um, we, yeah. And not to say that the U.S. government actually ever did anything quite as cold and calculating as to say, well, if anybody's expendable, it's Glenn and Grissom, right? But we've got to make sure that, we, excuse me, it's uh, Shepard and Grissom. We've got to make sure that John Glenn lives. But it, you can't help but wonder, right? It's like, because John Glenn was definitely our Yuri Gagarin, and we sent him third, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the first orbital flight, but he was not the first American in space. So maybe... A similar process happened with the Russians, and actually Gagarin was intended to be the third man in space, but he's now recorded as the first because he was the first one they got back. Right. The first one right. who survived. Yeah. Um, well, I I get the impression that the um, this the that the uh, Soviet program was always a little bit more um, a little less risk averse. Yes, in our program, and 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 that's that's something that um, you know a one hundred percent control of the media can provide you. You don't have to be as risk averse when your uh, um, when your failures are not known, right? 
Right. And uh, and so I I, I I suspect there's there are, there's still a lot of things we don't know about the uh, Soviet program even after the um, even after the fall of the uh, the Iron Curtain and and so much of this information became available to us that we didn't have before. I th- I think there's still probably some secrets that uh, well, the we, fact we may never that we, know. Yeah, the fact that we didn't know so many things for so long makes the rest of it plausible. That's why it's plausible. Yeah. The fact that yeah. we didn't find out until I don't know, 10 years ago that their biggest launch ever when 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 they were putting out essentially their version of the Saturn V blew up on the pad and 100 people were killed on the ground. We didn't hear about that until 40 years after it happened, right? So the the fact that those kinds of things were going on and nobody was told, nobody learned about it, gives a certain level of plausibility to even some of the wildest sounding stuff. I mean, some of this stuff sounds crazy. For example, that the robot missions to the moon actually had guys on them and they just sent them on one-way trips, meaning that not only was Yuri Gagarin not the first man in space, Neil and Buzz weren't the first men on the moon, right? Because yeah. there's guys up there, still up there, apparently, in these so-called robotic uh, Soviet ships. Of course, we'll get to the bottom of that one day, right? Yeah, those, yeah. Well, some, someday uh, somebody will be looking into those ships and uh, we'll be able to tell you. Um, but... Yeah, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a disturbing video, but it's uh, it's, it's it's very interesting and uh, and and the, and disturbing because it's plausible. If it were yes. completely outlandish, it would not uh, not you know, have quite the same kick. So I, I do recommend it. It's uh, I've definitely heard some of it before. Some of it sounds kind of outlandish. I guess this is our nearest brush with tales of the paranormal for this episode, probably. <laughs> I guess is, so. is that video because because we don't know how well researched it is or or how credible the, the source is. But it's very interesting stuff, and it makes you think. So, so check it out, and if we've been hoodwinked, let us know. Leave a comment, uh, or send Stephen an email, or call him at home. He always appreciates those. <laughs> yeah, I'll, because I love that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he appreciates those calls. But anyway, hey, speaking of space, we promised to geek out, and we got to talk about this new show, The Orville. Seth MacFarlane entering the Star Trek space with a brand new science fiction TV series on Fox. Stephen, what do you think of the Orville? I, I laughed. I thought it was great. And, uh, and I, I'm going to tell you, I also thought it was a pretty, uh, pretty interesting science fiction show in its own right. It, it was a funny comedy, yes, but it was, uh, it, I, I found it a fascinating sci-fi show. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if it was meant to be in the spirit of uh, Galaxy Quest, I think it did pretty well. I, I, I enjoy it. What, do you, what, what about you? Did you uh, have a good time with it? I, I did. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it almost works. That's my. Uh, that, that, I, I'm looking forward to subsequent episodes because I hope they kind of they kind of pick it up. The comedy sits a little bit funny in that story, if you ask me. Okay. Um, some parts of it I did laugh out loud. There's, there's <laughs> one scene, I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but you'll know what I'm talking about, where someone has come on screen and they've talked to him for a few minutes and then the whole thing ends and one character just says the other, hey, did you see the thing? And they say, yeah, it's all this first thing I saw. And <laughs> that was yeah. awesome, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was like, <laughs> that was like um, 
that's the moment you'll never see on the Starship Enterprise, right? If, if, <laughs> you know, if that's going on, nobody's going to say anything, right? So for one thing, it's never going to be happening, right? But if, <laughs> but if it was, they're all so serious and professional that nobody would ever say, hey, did you see the, yeah, yeah, that's the first thing I saw. Um, and, and I just absolutely, I, I absolutely love that. I felt like in some ways the supporting cast was delivering kind of a better, I don't know, more natural sort of laughs than Seth MacFarlane. I, I, I think he's kind of got to grow into that, grow into that role. There's, there's things that happen that are funny, but they're kind of in the family guy vein of funny. When, when they start talking about the machine that, that ages things. Okay. There's a funny little riff that he and his first officer do on that. But to me, yeah, that was the dog on family guy talking. Okay. That was not this character. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> Or, or Stewie, even maybe it, it was. It, it was just like we're suddenly out of the story, and somebody's comedy riffing on the scene. You, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's almost yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, I see that. I see that. I, I like the I like the stuff that's kind of organic to the story. Um, and one of the one of the things that Family Guy gets a bad rip for, although I think it, it, it's the genius of the show, is just that they constantly cut away. Right. The the, the show is always about. You know, here's the story's begun, but now we're going to completely cut away to a funny bit because it's funny. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and that and that that works great for a cartoon show. I I'm not sure that kind of comedy is going to work in this setting. I feel like the kind of organic characters doing things, looking at the world in a different way, stuff works better. So I hope we see more of that. And 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 I hope Seth MacFarlane relaxes. But it looks great, doesn't it? I mean, if yeah. if you if you had no it's, idea it was a comedy psych- show, you would look at it and you go, "Hey, I'm psyched about this show." You know, this is like this is a real I mean, Star the, Trek show. The, they they really went out of their way with the special effects to make it on par with the best of you know Star Trek that you see. Yeah, you know, they, they it's like they go, okay, um, you know, if for us to spoof Star Trek properly now, we can't do cardboard sets and uh and you know and and plastic uh phasers like we would if we were spoofing 1969 star trek right right there's right. they are spoofing today's star trek and so they you know they they got to bring their a game on the special effects and they did and it looks great and you know there was an actual sci-fi story that they told in the context of this comedy show, right? Yes, and, and it was good. Uh, it, it was good. It was interesting, it was and it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So I'm it was a good I, Star I, Trek I, episode. If it, if it, that was an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, it would have been one of the good ones, right? That's right. It, that's right. It, it, you would, yeah. Of course, for it to be, you would have to subtract all the comedy. But yeah, it would have been a good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. And look forward to uh, uh, this coming Sunday when they show the second one. So Yeah, I'm looking good. forward to tracking that. And I guess we've got the new Star Trek show itself starting here pretty soon, right? It's coming up. Uh... Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably watch the pilot because it'll be on actual CBS. But after that, it's on, uh, yeah, it's on a pay-per-view. So oh, you have, to, you have to subscribe to that CBS thing to watch it? Well, that's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. They shouldn't time. do that. And. And, you know, and they're thinking, well, you know, we'll get all the uh, the, the Star Trek guys will, will subscribe, and that and therefore our service will take off. No, it won't. <laughs> I, I can tell you right now, that's going to fail, and you just doomed your show too. So, um, you know, they give us the pilot. And, <laughs> well, and maybe. I mean, you know, that's a, yeah. that's you're being pretty glib, but you're probably right. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a pretty big uh, Trek I, fan, and I'm not paying for a CBS subscription to watch it. Right. 
No, I'm no. You know, just not. And uh, so, you know, uh, if, if you're not, and I'm not, and we're, yeah. we're about as big of geeks as you can imagine, um, you know, I've uh, been Star Trek fans, you know, since the original series. Since the original and series was on the air, I have been. Okay, yeah, so, and, sort of. And, and, we're, and, we, and we also, you know, uh, we, we could, if we wanted to, subscribe to it, but we're not going to do it. And so yeah, I probably won't. It, yeah, I'll watch, I, I, I guess I'm with you. I'm going to watch the pilot and then say, hey, well, I hope it comes to Netflix or something because I'm not going to. Yeah, or, you know, you offer it on DVD or something at some point, but I'm not going to subscribe. Just not yeah. going to do it. So, at any rate, that's too bad. Even, even having uh, said that, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Yeah, We've talked true. about the I fact that it's, it's been fraught with problems, but I hope they end up making a, a good show because Star Trek deserves to have a good series. So. Here's, really here's hoping that that's good and that the next episode of The Orville is good. Looking forward to, uh, to both those. All right, well, I guess that's just about done it for this week. I'm sorry, Stephen, did you have another geek out topic you wanted to get into this evening? Not this evening. I'm going to save it for next week. And uh, it's been a good week. We've got, had, this is, uh, um, you know, uh, from beginning to end, this week has been pretty solid. So I'm satisfied with it. <laughs> We've covered some fun stuff, you know, and, and it's. Yeah. It, we followed a, a natural progression from Monday to Wednesday, and then we just went totally nuts on Friday, as we're wont to do, and ended it with a big geek out. That's how we like to roll around here. And I'll tell you what, that was so much fun, Stephen. Let's do it again next week. What do you say? <laughs> that's, a, that's a plan. All right. All right. Well, great talking with you. Great having you all with us. And we will be back with three brand new shows next week. And until next time, live to see it. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.